the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good morning. Happy Monday. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger filling in for George Brockler today on News Talk 710 KNUS. Good to be with you. Can you believe it? It's still icy. It's still snowy outside. It has not all melted away. It's just so unusual and unprecedented and mind-boggling. And it can be, in some ways, frustrating. But we're not too frustrated this morning because we're here with you today. Here on News Talk 710 KNUS for the next four hours or so. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number if you'd like to join in to the festivities. You can also text into the show on the 710 KNUS app on your smartphone. Great way to... Get in touch with the programs that we have here, as well as access podcasts easily, become aware of contests, so much on the 710 KNUS app, and at Sang Center on Twitter. That's saying with an E, not an A, Center on Twitter. You can tweet at me directly. And there are a couple ways to email me throughout the show and beyond. That would be one seven ten KNUS dot com. Go to my show's page. Of course, I host the Jimmy Sangenberger show every Saturday morning from six to nine right here on seven ten KNUS. So go to that page and you can email me or via my website, Jimmy dot com. Keep in mind there's no A, I, or U in Sangenberger. It's all E's all the time. Once you know that, Sangenberger is E-Z. So lots of ways to get in touch here on the show where we have much, much, much to discuss. On my show on Saturday, we had the great opportunity to be the very first program to talk about the fallout from and the results of the speaker elections. We got to a 15th round of voting. On Friday night, late Friday night, I guess it was after midnight East Coast, so technically Saturday morning, that we had a Speaker of the House elected. 15 rounds of voting, six votes present, and ultimately here's what happened. The Honorable Kevin McCarthy of the state of California, having received a majority of the votes cast, is duly elected Speaker of the House of Representatives. There you go. Finally, we do have a speaker. What a whirlwind it was last week. And it seems like it was more difficult than hurting cats. And in the end, six present votes made it possible 
for McCarthy to become speaker in a vote that was otherwise 116 to 112, with all the Democrats consistently voting against McCarthy, of course, and not just against McCarthy, but consistently voting for a single Democrat, which would be Hakeem Jeffries, the minority leader, the head of the Democrats in the U.S. House. Now, there is a lot of debate and discussion now over what's going to happen today with the rules package in the U.S. House. And that's the thing that, you know, you would think is a done deal. McCarthy negotiated a rules package that has been hailed as the best that we've had by some members of Congress, a great many members of Congress. I interviewed Congressman Ken Buck on my show Saturday morning, and he was very bullish on the rules changes. They look like they're more fiscally conservative. They're going to give you greater time to get legislation out there for votes, so on and so forth. So there's a lot to like in the rules package, but that doesn't mean that everybody is even on board for the rules package. Uh, There is one representative in Congress, Tony Gonzalez. I don't have the clip of him on that. I have him on the border. But Gonzalez was on one of the morning shows yesterday, Sunday shows, and He said he's not voting for the rules package. And he had his specific reasons for doing so. Here's the question. Will McCarthy actually be able to corral all the votes he needs to get that promised rules package that helped put him in position as the Speaker of the House? That is now a very big question. And there are also some members of the Republican caucus who were rather um, not quite sold in the sense that they're a little iffy on the process to get McCarthy as speaker. Here is one instance, South Carolina Congresswoman, a Republican, Nancy Mace. What I saw last week was a small faction of the 20 who were acting just like the old Nancy Uh, trying to cut backroom deals in private and secret without anyone knowing what else was going on. And when they did the rules package at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. there was only one point that was changed. That was on the motion to vacate. That was the only difference in the package that we're going to be voting on tomorrow that was different from the original package that was proposed. So my question really is today is what backroom deals were cut. Did they try to cut? And did they get those? I like the rules package. It is the most open, fair, and fiscally conservative package we've had in 30 years. I support it. But what I don't support is a small number of people trying to get a deal done or deals done for themselves in private, in secret, to get a a vote or a vote present. Uh, I don't support that. So I am on the fence right now about the rules package vote tomorrow for that reason. On the fence right now because she doesn't like not knowing about possible deals made for appointments to committees and so forth. Well, Matt Gates is pretty happy about that. Of course, he was one of the final present votes and the focus of much attention on Friday night. I was watching this thing live, and it was just stunning to see some of the drama play out with the vote to adjourn, and then they 
zero minutes, zero seconds. Republicans had all almost all voted to adjourn. And then suddenly there was McCarthy grabbing one of the red cards or whatever and saying, no, 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 wait. And then he had more than 40 Republicans who changed their votes. And it was quite the dramatic scene going on for about 30, 45 minutes on the floor of the U.S. House, at least arguably an hour and a half or so by the time they were finished with the 15th vote. But let's get to the Gates clip real quick. Take a listen to this from yesterday on Fox News. Well, I think the way to have a strong Republican position on a lot of these issues is to have strong Republicans on the most relevant committees. Mm -hmm. And I don't really get the critique that taking from Tuesday to Friday to work this out puts the Republican majority in peril. I mean, you know, Mike, that in the summer, the entire Congress takes like six weeks off where we're not even around at all. So to take four days to figure out who's going to be second in line to the presidency and to ensure that we have a House of Representatives that is a fighting force going to check the Biden administration, absolutely worth it. So here's a question. I want to throw this to Billy. Bill Thorpe, good morning, my friend. I hope you're doing well. You're warm. All those good things here. I know I'm just throwing you suddenly saying, oh, Bill, I'm bringing you on the show. <laughs> Hello. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm okay. I'm not too happy it's a Monday, but I'm never happy it's a Monday. I, I know. Mondays, I know. Mondays suck. Mondays always drag just a little bit, don't yeah. they? Yeah, they're no fun. So other than that, yeah, it's okay. Not as cold. Yeah, not too bad. How are you? You know, I'm doing fine. It is one of those things, and I want to get to the question I want to bring, or I was bringing in on in a moment, but as I mentioned at the top, I'm just stunned at the, there's still ice, there's still snow. What are we doing here? It's Colorado. It's Denver. Yeah, that's ridiculous. We were talking, we were chatting just a little bit before the show, and there's a weird thing that this is like the first time in over 20 years that a snowstorm has not melted inside of 10 to 11 days here in Colorado, and that's really unusual. You can't hear me. I'm get, oh, so yeah, can't. listeners saying that they can't hear you. Mysterious. Oh, it's the ether. It's There's no nobody there. I'm not sure. A listener text coming in that they cannot hear you. Uh-oh. Well, then I don't know what I can do then. I, I guess I'll quiet. just take it here and yeah, see so if sorry. we can figure that out. Yeah, um, and anybody else listening, if you can hear Bill, please let me know uh, if you can or can't. It's always good to be able to be aware of the... Uh, prospect of having the man behind the glass who does so much great work here on the George Brockler show. You know, Bill, um, for two and a half years, Salem had owned a business station. I hosted a morning show called Business for Breakfast. And Bill was my producer throughout that time period. So, um, you know, Bill and I have been working together for years now, and I always love getting to fill in here on George's show. We'll see if we can get the microphone issue sorted out. Uh, in the meantime, I, what I was going to get at is this question of, okay, is one man's fighting force another woman's backroom deals that make you suspect about what's going on here? About what was done as far as the personalities, getting the people involved, selecting them. Uh, listener did say, by the way, I could hear Bill. However, it was soft and distant. We don't want Bill to be soft the, and distant. What about now? I mean, it's yeah. probably a little better. But I'm, trying would, to, I'm trying to boost the... I'm, in, I'm inside the uh, good. equalizer, inside uh, the machine here, and I'm trying to push stuff up. And so, okay, here we go. Uh, we'll see what happens. Here we go. Yeah. We are good. Loud okay, and clear, good. Bill. We, <laughs> I think right, it, something just needed to be adjusted, and yeah. then we're, we're good to go. So here's the question. Yeah, yeah. You got one saying... Backroom deals, I'm not right on board, but then the guy who was, you know... 
I mean, we all know that we need to raise the debt ceiling because these are checks we've already cashed. We've already paid for. We've written them. They're bills that exist. But in, you know, both sides, both Republicans and Democrats have decided to hold that hostage to try to get what they want. Electing the speaker should have been pro forma. There was nobody else other than McCarthy that really ever had a shot at getting over 200 votes. So this was all, in my mind, a performance by a small group of people who were going to hold a large group of people hostage in order to get what they wanted. This, to me, is just another exercise of what we've seen happen with the debt ceiling. I don't think it makes us govern better. I don't think it moves anything forward. And unfortunately, in my mind, it hurts the Republicans' opportunity to establish themselves when they start out with this new session. With the low-information voters, which unfortunately a lot of those swing voters are, they don't pay a lot of attention to politics like you, I, and the listener does. Those low-information voters are just going to see the story. They're not going to dive into it and figure out the why. They're just going to see Republicans show up and can't elect a speaker for the first week. They're going to see inaction. They're going to see indecision. They're going to see infighting. And that is going to, in part, color how they view this part of the Congress going forward. Now, does it mean that McCarthy and everybody's done? But if it becomes a crazy circus where he's having to beat down challenges to his authority and people that are having un, you know, no confidence in him every month or so, it's going to look like something that is untenable. And I, I, what happens then is the low-information voter in my mind then says, well, these guys can't show me they can get their act together and all move forward at the same time. Even though I may not be on board with the people on the other side, I might have to vote for them only because they will get something done. So and that's what I'm worried about. How about this, about though, Bill? Um, yeah. You know, and this kind of goes to Matt Gates's point that at points in the year, like the summer, you'll get six weeks where Congress goes off and people don't even notice. And in fact, I would like to have a time limit on the number of days that Congress meets. Like we have in Colorado, 120 days. I'd like a 120 day time limit for the U.S. Congress. I think yeah. that's long overdue would be a great constitutional limit, amendment. Limit the damage. But. Yeah. but his argument is, well, there are all these points in time where we have Congress not even at work. What's the big deal for four days right now? Let things get hashed out, and then hopefully the ducks will be more in a row. Now, here's the thing. I was increasingly convinced through the course of the week in talking with listeners, Bill, that perhaps, and I don't know yet, I think the rules package and the more we learn about the deals that were made will help bear this out. It is possible that the embarrassment of last week, and make no mistake, it was embarrassing from McCarthy on to the uh, dis- dissidents or whatever you want to call them, the dissenters, however you want to describe them, uh, that that discord and the ultimate deal that they reached, maybe that embarrassment that they all had collectively is worth it in the end because of some of the things that would be done in this rules package and helping to get a, a better understanding of how the caucus is going to work so that McCarthy, a speaker, can be like, OK, now I know who I need to talk to about certain things in certain ways, so on and so forth, gives the team a better idea of how they're going to engage with a very slim majority. However, the one little monkey wrench on this is when you hear somebody like a representative, Tony Gonzalez, saying outright, I'm not voting for the rules package, and Nancy Mace saying, I'm not so sure that I'm on board because I want to know more about the deal that was reached and the deals, plural, that were reached 
behind closed doors involving potentially different uh, members of Congress and what they're getting, so on and so forth. So maybe we won't have those rules changes exactly that were being hailed and were the source of a lot of the agreement. I would I'd like to focus on one part of, one of your explanation there. The idea that Kevin McCarthy was trying to figure out how this caucus is going to work. Mm-hmm. I'm not certain that they've shown they can work. And that's you what may I be think right. is the problem. Is with things like this, when they already have people raising their hand about the rules package, can this group find a way to row in the same direction, even though they're not agreeing about certain things? And... This would be an opportunity for the Republicans to come forward and put forward some bills that would be very difficult for Schumer to deal with. It would be something – it's just like um, when we went through the, the big, huge spending package, not the omnibus one most recently, but when we're doing the Build Back Better program. One of the things I thought that the Democrats did, thankfully, that they messed up on is that they tried to stuff everything into the bag. That is a recipe for disaster, and it's hard to explain to the average voter why we need to do all this at once. It would have been strategically better for the Democrats to piecemeal it, for them to come out and say, here's transportation, and then force Republicans to then fight against transportation. Here is um, you know, prescription reform. Force the other side to fight against it. That would have been strategically sound. Thank goodness the Democrats are idiots on this thing because that would have been a very difficult thing for the Republicans to deal with. That's what the Republicans should be doing now. They should be coming forward with things like term limits, certain balanced budget items. Supposedly that's part of the it deal is. that was reached. That's part of the deal. But again, remember, after they reach the deal, the very next thing they're supposed to do, they're already fighting about. Right. So I'm going to hold my breath and see if because of that deal, these things come forward. You the know, other thing, oh, one more yeah. thing. The other thing that's dangerous is that you may have had some members be able to get seats on certain committees by doing this. That is a dangerous precedent. That is something that I go back to the debt ceiling fight again. When you have people that are in the minority being able to hold certain people in leadership hostage in order to get certain seats on committees, that's rough. Because I I just would remind the people that dissented against um, Kevin McCarthy, look at the squad on the Democrat side of the aisle. You know they did not like Nancy Pelosi. You know they didn't always want to go along with what she did, but... They knew they needed to in order to move the ship forward. So they said, fine, we'll row in that direction. Pelosi cracked the whip, and she was very effective at that. In fact, you'll recall Thursday when I did the second half of George's show last week, I said, would Nancy Pelosi ever bring to the floor a vote on her speakership unless she had the vote? She never would. Now, I posed this question or this subject to Ken Buck. On my show on Saturday morning, and before we get to the break, I want to get your reaction to what he had to say in that regard. Is this different? Is the Republican Party operating in a way that is different and in a way that is very good and very healthy? I think the Republican Party uh, uh, is operating in a way that's different than how Nancy Pelosi ran the House. I think it will result in better uh, outcomes. I think that what we're going to see are... Uh, fights with the Democrat-controlled Senate over spending. And we aren't going to have a uh, an omnibus bill with a huge uh, price tag associated with it that will be passed yes. on Christmas Eve. That's, that's just not something that uh, a, a large percentage of the Republicans in this House want. So he was basically looking, Bill, at the 
idea of not having that kind of crack the whip leadership is actually beneficial in part because, yeah, there's going to be more personalities and more herding of the cats, but you have certain big picture goals that the Republicans will work toward and they'll be able to to get together on those things. And then it's a matter of um, getting the best bills and the best legislation. Maybe it'll have to involve a little bit more hashing out, but the but in the end, he thinks you're going to have something better for the American people. I, I think, with respect, somebody may need to remind uh, Mr. Buck um, how many seats the Republicans won in this last election in the House and how many of those individual representatives are new. Because I would submit that the large majority of the Republicans in that House were there when the omnibus bill passed. So the idea that, that he's saying the large majority of these guys wouldn't do this, eh, 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 not so fast, not so fast. That did move forward. Now, the fact that the Democrats are controlling the House does change the agenda. But mm. the number of people that were there that made it go through, so, the Democrats actually, still could mathematically a, make it through. Little caveat. Uh, there were like 100-something proxy votes on the floor or, uh, for for that in the House. And I don't know how that ended up bro- broken down and so forth, but it was weird. And that's one of the things that the rules package is, is supposedly supposed to address. Yeah. The rules package they're already fighting over. Yeah. They're supposed to solve the problem. That and that's, that's the thing. That's the thing <laughs> I get is you got to get these things through. If Ken Buck thinks that, you know, we're going to get these big spending packages and these things that are going to push conservative ideals, mm-hmm. you've got to show me you guys can stop infighting because guess what? If you can't agree on what that package looks like, you never get to bring it to the floor and get egg on Schumer's face. That's the problem. Stop trying to knife each other when the point is to make the other guys look bad. Right. Please, no. please get on the same page and understand you're all wearing the same jersey. It would be difficult <laughs> if you were the coach of the Denver Broncos and the Broncos came out there and the offense said, hey, we're going to do this. And then defense says, nope, we're going to run this. And if they didn't talk to each other, that would be a problem. That's kind of what you have inside of the uh, Republican Party at this point. Yeah, I think that this rules vote is going to be a big initial test of the McCarthy speakership. And not only that, there is now the ability for one solitary Republican member to put forward a motion to vacate, to get rid of McCarthy as speaker. And we'll see how quickly that actually ends up coming about because it could be sooner than later. I think what happens in the rules package will certainly help to justify or not what happened last week. I'm keeping more of an open mind than I was in the beginning. I will say that, but I'm not convinced based on the prospects here for this rules package right now. If I was a Democrat influencer at this point, I would be pulling a trick from the uh, liberals in England. And I would be putting up an Instagram page or some sort of a viral feed, and I would have a head of lettuce. And I would say, which lasts longer, this head of lettuce or Kevin McCarthy's speakership? And I would just run that just because that's what they did. And, and, and we know in England, the lettuce won. So, again, if I was the Democrat strategist, I would be poking the bear on the other side of the aisle. Oh, you knowing know they they're will. already angry. So, you know let's, see, let's see if they're clever enough to do that. It'd be fun. The one thing I was really hoping for that we're not getting, I wanted Speaker McCarthy to join President Biden down in Texas at the El Paso border. And that did not happen. In fact, as we'll get to coming up in the program there was no opportunity for the Repub- for any Republicans, including one guy who represents 2,000 miles on the border, Tony Gonzalez, 
to go to the border with the Biden team. We got to leave it there, though, because we are overdue for a break. I am Jimmy Sangenberger. Thank you, Bill. We'll come back to you later on in the program, I'm sure. In fact, Maybe we'll throw one or two of these texts at you and see what you think in response to those, Billy. At the top of the next hour, we'll be joined by syndicated columnist Ruben Navarrete to really get into this border security issue. He's always got some interesting takes. We'll have Ruben coming up later on in the program. And I'll also tease what else we've got here on the George Brockler Show. Jimmy Sangenberger filling in over the course of the next four hours. Keep it right here. We're just getting started. Denver's local talk leader, News Talk, 710 KNUS. Mm. Good to be with you. Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brocker this morning. News Talk 710-KNUS. Hope your 2023 is off to a good start. It was a rocky one for this guy, but he ultimately made it to the Speaker's chair. Therefore, the Honorable Kevin McCarthy of the State of California, having received a majority of the votes cast, is duly elected Speaker of the House of Representatives. That was late Friday night. I watched the whole thing. And let me tell you, it was crazy. By the time I sent audio in to Blake, who was producing for me Saturday morning on my show, it was 1.30. Because I had to get audio together and everything after they'd had their votes, they'd sworn them in, all of those things. Here's the question, though. Was last week worth it, A, B, will the rules package get done and approved by Republicans in Congress today with Democrat support or without Democrat support? Either way, will it get through? And finally, does that number two, does that second thing help to say whether or not last week is justified? If Republicans do get the rules package that was purportedly so pivotal in securing the speaker's chair, the speaker's gavel, rather, for Kevin McCarthy. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number. Let's go first up to Don in Lakewood. Good morning, Don. You're on with Jimmy in for George. Good morning, Jimmy. Good morning. What's on your mind? Well, listen to your discussion about what's going on in Congress. First of all, I don't think there's a large percentage of people that really pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, people like you and myself and your people that follow your station. Second of all, if they don't start doing something internally, it's just going to be a continuation of the same old stuff we've had. Yeah. In my case, you know, I think most of my life. So you can look at it two different ways. You know, do you want somebody up there like Pelosi um, who, you know, wouldn't bring the speakership vote to the floor? I mean, you have to at some point, whether she had or not. I mean, you can't just put that in the drawer like they do other legislation. I was glad to see that McCarthy was facing some resistance. He would not be my choice for Speaker of the House. I would like somebody um, 
maybe more along the lines of a Trey Gowdy. Well, you got McCarthy now, though. McCarthy's the guy. Well, I I understand that, but I I I'm not. A, have you always been pleased with how Kevin? McCarthy oh, absolutely, abs- absolutely not. And clearly, last week to me, the fact that it took him so long to corral the votes shows that he's not the great leader that is needed in the House at this moment. But frankly, I don't know anybody else who is. But I'd rather not, Don, retread the ground of should McCarthy be speaker or not. Now it was last week worth it in terms of the four days to get to what was seemingly the really really the only outcome. There was nobody else who was ever put forward who was serious as a contender for speaker than Kevin McCarthy. So it was sort of the ultimate result was sort of predetermined in in a sense. So when we look back at last week, I want to get your thoughts on this because you answered my question in part. When you look at last week and the average person who's, say, what Billy was saying before, the low information voter, I would suggest that all they were hearing was Republicans can't get it together. It's speaker, speaker, speaker. They can't even get a speaker and get working on the issues that matter. And that was probably enough to plant a seed. But it's more than just did the American people pay attention last week? How many were really aware of what's happening as it is? Where do we go from here? And are Republicans going to be able to get their act together enough to govern over the next two years, which will then? be judged by the American people, whether last week will or not. Well, okay, so the people that I know that pay attention to this stuff were pleased that Kevin McCarthy got the resistance. It's like, were you in favor of the Tea Party people or not? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. We need to shake up this party. Forget about the Democrats. We need to get this party shook up and these people held accountable for what they're doing instead of always just kicking the can down the road. And you've got to have some people that are willing to do this. You've got to have some leaders from somewhere start doing this, or it's going to be the same old stuff the rest of our lives. And it probably will, to be honest with you. I think that is just such a largesse of government that you just you're not going to be able to chip away from business as usual because it's taken a few decades to get it to where it is. Hmm. I think it's as corrupt as it can be. I think the money they've spent, the position they've put us in. I mean, look where, where we went from, you know, Bush at $10 trillion, Oh, yeah. Obama doubled oh. that in his eight years. And then Trump was still raising it, but he got nailed with COVID. That totally changed everything. Oh. But these people don't represent. Yeah, Don, things. you're hitting at something very important in terms of the national debt. And hopefully this rules package will get through because it will certainly help to prevent a lot of this outrageous and excessive spending that you're highlighting. I got to run, though. Thanks for the call. 303-696-1971. Don's line is open. Let's go to Dave in Denver. Good morning, Dave. Jimmy in for George. How are you? Oh, fine, Jimmy. What's on your mind? Yeah, um, short-term, I'm very, very happy he got in. Long-term, he made it much harder for himself than he had to. Okay, what do you mean by that? Well, I, it seems like we were always, he was playing a game of catch-up. And I don't like Nancy Pelosi, but she was a master tactician. Mm-hmm. And he should have taken a 
page out of her book. Well, so so there are some who are saying on the Republican side, look, Nancy Pelosi was very much a top-down sort of governance. She was able to crack the whip, make the threats, yeah. all these sorts of things. And Republicans aren't like that. They're more independent, and we should let them yeah. uh, have that latitude and so forth. What do you make of that argument, or would you rather have a leader in position yeah. who can just say, we need to get in line in this pivotal moment, get it together, or else here's the consequence? Well, I, my view, the 800-pound gorilla that people really should have been talking about was the omnibus package. And I wish McCarthy had been really vociferous in his opposition. He, he came out against it after it passed, though. He was, he, no, he came and out I, against it before it passed. He opposed it before not, it passed. Not, I, I never, not as vigorously as he that. should have. Not as vigorously not exactly. as he should have, but he did oppose it before it passed. A lot of this misplaced aggression towards Mitch McConnell, who I really wished had been, um, you know, really replaced in the Senate. And my great hope was Tom Cotton. And Tom Cotton, he just folded. And he seemed to just go along. And I so that, here's I the thing about the U.S. Senate. The U.S. Senate yeah. has far fewer people. They are in right. for six years, so that means only a third will be up for re-election come 2024. Yeah. So there's not that same kind of re-election threat. But also, there is a sort of stature that the senators view themselves as holding, where it's like we can't get into these kind of personal squabbles in the same way that you can see over in the U.S. House. There's just an institutional mindset that won't allow that for hap- to happen. And I think, Dave, I will put it out there that I think the only way that Mitch McConnell is no longer the majority or minority leader, as the case is, is if he decides to step down. Um, I would have loved to see them replaced myself. Sure. Oh, fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. But I, I'm willing to give McCarthy a chance. I love his character. I love his stature. But as I said, he just, you know... He, he should have been ahead of the ball much more. Sure. Dave, I appreciate the call. Give, I'm willing to give him a chance, you know, yeah. as, a, as a loyal Republican. I think we all should. You know? I, I couldn't agree we, we, more. We could I, have done, of course, Jim Jordan is the one I'd love to see. As yeah. So, so I will say about Jim Jordan, I appreciate the call, Dave. Thank you. The thing about Jim Jordan is he never wanted the chair. He kept, His name kept coming up until even the 14th round of voting, the penultimate round. And he'd sworn it off after the first round, like vigorously in public said, don't vote for me. And then Matt Gates came out and nominated Jim Jordan, specifically saying his own reasons for why he thought Jordan, who didn't want it, should get it. Now, Jordan really wants the Judiciary Committee. He's got a lot of oversight aspects that he wants to pursue, things that he wants to pursue on Judiciary. So that's why he... One of the big reasons why he didn't want it, I mean, who? first of all, who wants to be speaker? McCarthy's got to be a little bit delusional to want to herd the cats known as the Republican Party in the U.S. House. But then you put in Jim Jordan, and he's not only got that concern, he's also has a mindset or a, objectives in mind already for what he wants to do with the Judiciary Committee. And thank goodness he's going to be the chairman of it. I think we're going to see a lot come from judiciary, from oversight, and a couple other committees moving ahead. But they need to get this rules package through. Will they get it through? That's a big question. We'll touch on that with syndicated columnist Ruben Navarrete at the top of the hour. But we'll mostly dive in to the border issue 
and what's happening now post-Biden trip to the border for the first time in his political career. Joe Biden finally visited the southern border-ish. Why do I say ish? Well, I'll offer some more on that coming up. We will also have a conversation with Matt Crane, executive director of the Colorado County Clerks Association. Here's an article headline from The Federalist you might have seen over the weekend. Colorado won't name 31,000 foreigners it sent voting info to. Now, remember, this was 31,000 people who are not eligible to vote, they got postcards, but there's more to the story than that. And look, this ain't looking good. This really ain't looking good. We'll get some thoughts from the County Clerks Association Executive Director on this as well. Plus, Craig Arston is the co-founder of an organization, a group, business entity called Citizens for a Safe and Clean Denver. And, well, you got to hear it to believe it, but... US, or Colorado State Representative Leslie Harrod is running for mayor of Denver, and her campaign took to court this small group that has spent less than $1,000 in 18 months claiming that they had violated city election laws and that they had done so when they criticized Leslie Harrod. Now, that group, has been fined $250 for a disclosure thing. We'll talk, or disclaimer thing. We'll talk about the details there. But Leslie Harrod, just last week, on $15,200 fines for not filing her personal financial disclosures in like 10 months' time span, just got her fines whittled down from $15,200 to $50. And yet she goes after a small citizens group. What the hell's going on there? We'll dive in in the 9 o'clock hour to that and Craig's trip just over this weekend to Seattle to check out what the situation is like on the ground there. You will not want to miss it. Craig's coming in studio for the full 9 o'clock hour. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler. Got to run to the break on News Talk 710 KNUS. Good morning, Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler right here on News Talk 710 KNUS. Great to be with you. Alexa texting in. When ours have been in the minority, the minority leaders could not get all the R's on the same page. Look at everything from the Trump impeachment. That was almost universal for Republicans, though, as far as opposing it. But you're right, there were a couple of dissenters, right, one or two, uh, to the $1.7 trillion omnibus bill. A few to more than a few R's voted with D's. Yes. And what does that say about the Republicans? Here's the thing. Look, I know, I get it. Republicans across the country, they've got this more independent streak. There's definitely more of a willingness and always has been. Think of the Tea Party movement in 2010. There always has been a willingness among Republicans to dissent from leadership in a way there just isn't in the Democrat side. It's a cultural thing because Republicans have more of an independent mindset going in versus the Democrats. But could that be the downfall for Republicans over the next couple of years, especially with such a slim 
majority. That is the big question. That's what they are up against right now is themselves and whether or not they can get it together. Nancy Mace, Congresswoman from South Carolina, is a prime example of somebody who supports the rules package but is more skeptical about the other possible agreements that were struck. What I saw last week was a small faction of the 20 who were acting just like the old Nancy, uh, trying to cut backroom deals in private and secret without anyone knowing what else was going on. And when they did the rules package at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. there was only one point that was changed. That was on the motion to vacate. That was the only difference in the package that we're going to be voting on tomorrow that was different from the original package that was proposed. So my question really is today is what backroom deals were cut? Did they try to cut? And did they get those? I like the rules package. It is the most open, fair, and fiscally conservative package we've had in 30 years. I support it. But what I don't support is a small number of people trying to get a deal done or deals done for themselves in private, in secret, to get a a vote or a vote present. Uh, I don't support that. So I am on the fence right now about the rules package vote tomorrow for that reason. And by the way, the old Nancy she was referring to was Nancy Mays herself, not Nancy Pelosi. But there you go. Somebody who's a Republican who says, I'm on board with the rules package, very good rules package. But what about the other things? What she said that was interesting to me, and I really want to know if this is true, is the only difference in the rules package between before Tuesday, when you had the very first vote for speaker, and after Friday, when you had the very last vote for speaker, is the only change that the motion to vacate either became a thing or became a thing at one vote. That is to say, a vote of no confidence, five people or one, it became one member of Congress, one representative, Republican, could challenge McCarthy's speakership. Is that the only change or were there more? I'm curious about that. And we'll see what happens in the vote coming up today on the rules package. Syndicated columnist Ruben Navarrete will offer perspective on the southern border. Coming up, Jimmy and for George, stay with us. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com